Since you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, why did this happen to me? Well, you're not alone. I did too. But this is a time when you're given two choices. One, you let those four nasty words that you've been told, you have breast cancer, stop us from living. Or two, we can take what we've been given to us and use it as fuel on our path to healing, growth, self-discovery, and to bring out the best of us and become the hero of our journey while we get to inspire others to do the same. Join my inspiring guests and me on our mission to help women just like you with what we discovered on our hero's journey through breast cancer. This is a place where we share all the tools and knowledge we've learned to develop the courage, resilience, mindset and self-love needed to start living your full life like you might never have done before. I am Grace DeAngeli and I welcome you to Breast Cancer Hero's Journey Podcast. Welcome home. Welcome everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Today I'll be interviewing Sonia Kuto. Now Sonia comes through, uh, she lives in Toronto, Canada and she's a two-time tech founder, managing director with 18 years of, is that Tanua in the tech industry? I hope I said it right. But she's also a breast cancer survivor who's navigated the complexities of an, uh, you know, while she's going through breast cancer, she's going through a male-dominated uh, field and it's her expertise and determination that she uses to get through for her journey. Now, she worked through the treatments and the surgeries, including a double mastectomy and four surgeries, and she is a powerful testimonial still standing. So welcome, Sonia. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, that's the thing I love about it. That's the resilience. You know, today I just read, you're not just a survivor, you're a thriver. So, uh, you know, a lot of people just say, I just made it. I just made it to the other side. And I think what we're trying to do is bring the message that you can go beyond that, not just just made it. So take us through the journey, Sonia. How did you first get diagnosed with breast cancer so take us through that journey yeah um it was six years ago in uh, 2017 yeah 2017 and uh really what happened was i started feeling like numbness on sort of on my side underneath my armpit and for about a week it would come and go come and go but it was sort of it was enough that it was noticeable and i was kind of like what's going on so I went to sort of feel it because I had this sensation that was constantly there and I felt a lump. And so within a couple of days, I made an appointment to go see my doctor. I was 38 at the time. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't think it was breast cancer or anything like that. I thought maybe it would have been a cyst or, you know. So I went to see my doctor and I told her I had found a lump. She didn't even touch me. She automatically said, let's go get a um, ultrasound done because at the time I was too young for a mammogram. So within a week, she had me in to do my ultrasound. So I went in, I was doing the ultrasound and then they sort of said, oh, hold on a second. And a doctor came in to sort of go through the ultrasound again. So I knew that definitely, I mean, I had felt something, I knew something was there and I knew they were sort of invest investigating. 
And then um, after they, the, they told me there's a math there, obviously there's something there. So they told me you need to come back and actually do a mammogram. So I was like, okay, got myself ready. I was going to go make an appointment. They're like, no, no, you're doing the mammogram now. So then, you know, my heart sort of sank a little bit. So I went and did the mammogram and then they said, okay, you're done. I was going, I was in the change room and then they came back and said, we need to do a couple more mammogram uh, shots. I was like, okay, I went back. And then by the time I finished, they told me to sit down and wait for the doctor to come in at this point. So this is when, you know, by the time the doctor came in, I think I waited like two minutes, which felt like two hours. I was already sort of, you know, the knot in my throat. I wanted to cry, but at the same time, I was trying to keep it together. So when they came in, she basically confirmed that, yes, it was a, it was a mass and they, they thought it was cancer, but they wouldn't know much more about it until I did a biopsy. So a week later, I went in, did the biopsy, got my results, and I found out it was breast cancer. I didn't know what kind of breast cancer it was. I didn't know the stage or anything like that. I got referred to uh, my oncologist right after. So I found out in September and I had my first surgery in November. So just um, uh, two months after. And um, I did not find out what type of cancer and the stage I was until about December after my surgery, after they sent in all my tissues for um, uh, examination. So I did find out in December that I was in fact stage one and the cancer had not spread to my lymph nodes. So my lymph nodes were clean. I had about six lymph nodes removed. And so because I was stage one um, and my lymph nodes were clean, I chose not to do chemo. And so I went the um, surgery route where I, instead of doing a lumpsectomy, I chose to do a double mastectomy. So my first surgery, I just did the first mastectomy to get rid of the cancer. So I was flat for about six months on one side. And then I went back in to do the second mastectomy and start the reconstruction process. So I had a skin graft removed from my back. I had the double mastectomy and then I had tissue expanders put in, which I had for about eight months. And I had to go in every two weeks to get injections to fill the, 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 to fill them up uh, to stretch the skin. And then after that, I had my third surgery, um, which was to remove the, the tissue expanders and put in the permanent um, ones. And then after my third surgery, the implants that they had given me had got recalled. They were actually causing cancer. <laughs> um, and I still had like a couple little things like my tissue expanders had expanded too much. So I ended up with really large implants that were massive and really bothering me and they hurt. It was very discomforting. So I had to go in for a fourth surgery anyway. So I took the advantage to tell my doctor, okay, let's get rid of these implants, put in new ones that are not going to cause cancer, and let's also downsize. So I went into my fourth surgery to do that, came out of it, ended up with bigger implants bigger than what I had gone in with, which was supposed to be reverse. I was supposed to have come out, come out with much, much smaller. And that's sort of my journey. It's not, I'm, I still need to have, you know, another surgery to hopefully downsize because what I have is just too big. It's painful. I can't sleep. It's, they're not comfortable. And so I've had a lot of surgeries and um, I wish I hadn't gone down that route. 
I probably would have just done radiation or some chemo and got rid of it all. But, you know, you don't know what you you don't know what you don't know. And that's sort of where I'm at six years later. And then, of course, I also did tamoxifen for five years. Then I got I got removed from tamoxifen about six months and I was having some complications um, with um, my face swelling. I got osteoporosis as a result of tamoxifen. And now I'm back on tamoxifen because my estrogen levels were uh, getting out of uh, control again. So I, I'm back on it and, and keep and monitoring that to make sure that uh, my levels are okay. So yes, that's sort of my journey and that's where I'm at now. Wow, that's a big journey. I mean, the thing is, like you said, you know, anyone under 40, it's not common because um, as we know, 50 plus gets free mammograms and things like that, or 40 plus, I think it is. Um, so you don't actually go in thinking it's that. So um, I just want to go back because I've just written some notes here and, and I just wanted to get the sort of the gist of it because like you said, six years later, you know, you sort of thought, well, what if I had known a little bit better um, and maybe gone down a different route or maybe not? Maybe not. So what made you decide? Because you were like what they call, you know, when I talk to doctors and my own surgeon and things like that, when when we say stage one, we all think stage one, that's pretty cool. But according to a doctor, stage one doesn't mean anything. It just means that it's a lot smaller than, and depending where it is um, and it hasn't reached the lymph nodes and things like yeah. that. But it still can be um, crucial. So you need to make sure you know what type of breast cancer. So when you were you were doing all of the tests, were there, it was the doctors that were encouraging you to do the mastectomy or was it you're just thinking, were you, were you tested for BRCA and was it your doctor's decisions to make you do the, the mastectomy or strictly your own? Yeah, I, it was a combination. So um, I didn't have a history in my family at all. Uh, and my family is uh, mostly female uh, dominated and there was no history of breast cancer. And personally, I had had someone close to me who had uh, breast cancer stage three and she had a lumpsectomy. And eight years later after being breast cancer free, it came back. And um, her doctor had told her, you know, get a mastectomy and she chose not to. And it, you know, now she's struggling. So I sort of did a lot of research and I wasn't comfortable with just going in and removing that part and leaving it all in. I just felt like there was too much risk for, you know, one tiny little cell to be there and it starts all over again. So the, the mastectomy was always my choice. But the first time I went in to see my doctor, I told her, get them out and get them out now. I just, I got to a point where you get, you get to a point where stress is so high on your mind that you're just like, I want to do everything I possibly can to get rid of it. And I know not all women feel that way. A lot of women do lonsectomies. I just didn't want to take the risk. And my doctor supported me. And when I told her I wanted to do the, the double mastectomy, she was like, absolutely. You know, she said, I agree with just getting rid of it. Why take the risk? If I had wanted a lonsectomy, she probably would have given me all the, the risks involved with it. But because I wanted the double, she was supportive. And um, because there was no risk in my family, I don't know why I got breast cancer. So why risk it, right? That's sort of what I was thinking. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, and it's it, and it's normal to think that way. Like you said, you just want to get it out. You just want to make sure that you're cleared. You don't want to go, you know, six years, twelve years, fifteen years, twenty years down the track, um, and it rears its ugly head. So, obviously, yeah. having a, a a mastectomy, it does go from X percent to really, really tiny, tiny percent um, as well. So. You know, I commend you for it because it's not, you know, I, I, I spoke to another young girl, I think she was 35 and she had she had a double mastectomy and, you know, for her it was like, what are these things? Because it felt so strange for her. So take us through that journey. Like here you are, you've gotten the implant, like you've had your breast removed. How did you go? What emotions were you going through at that time? Yeah, I mean, I... For me, it felt like I lost a part of my body. I tell this to people all the time because a lot of people think that getting a, a double mastectomy is nothing hard just because nowadays women are doing it voluntarily to to get, you know, something that's not uh, medically required. Uh, it's mm -hmm. for aesthetics. And so there's this mentality around it's just a boob job, essentially. Um, but I think there's a huge difference when, first of all, the ones that you have are trying to kill you and then you're forced to take them out and replace them with something that's not real and so i struggled a lot with that because one thing that i i always think about is when i was young and i started developing my breasts it was something that i wasn't born with and i got to watch my body change and evolve and it took me from you know, being a little girl to being a teenager and then you go into womanhood and that sort of represents that journey in your life. And then all of a sudden, not only are they gone, one thing that I really struggled with was the fact that I lost my nipples, which is something I wasn't really quite aware of. I mean, I knew I was going to have a double mastectomy, but I never thought about it. And that really took a toll on me because now it's it's completely different. Now I look like an alien. Um, the implants, it's not like women who go in and get, you know, uh, cosmetic stuff done. It, you know, they're lopsided. They're I call them two sacks of potatoes. <laughs> I look like an alien. So it's very dramatic. And even though it's been a couple years, I still have a very hard time looking at myself in the mirror. Um, I just, it's just not, I feel like it's, it's something, uh, it's not something that belongs to my body. I can tell that it's a foreign thing that was put in me and it's really hard to accept. I know that I'll, one day I'll be, you know, thankful that I'm alive and I am thankful that I'm alive and that I, I have something on my chest, but it's it's taking me a long time to wrap my mind around it. So the, the thing about that too is like you said, because she said the same thing. I felt like I had something foreign. What are these aliens in me? But, um, I get, see, like I'm, um, okay, so I'm much older, you know, than you. I'm 53. I'll be 53 this year. So when we look at someone who's in your, you know, mid-30s and things like that, you haven't, you have, don't get me wrong, but you haven't experienced all of life. So, of course, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you experience it. And then what happens is whether you had a partner or whether you want to find a partner, you go through that because that's another thing as well. So if I could, you know, touch on some things like that, if you mind talking about it, if yeah. you don't, it's okay. Um, 
if you had a partner at the time or if you have a partner now, how does it make you feel? It's not about the partner's feelings as such. Yeah. But how does it make you feel? I didn't have a partner at the time and I don't have a partner now. <laughs> and I think that's part of it. Um, I had I, I had been divorced for a couple of years after I got diagnosed and I, I was kind of happy that I didn't have a partner, to be honest, just because mm. I felt like if I had a partner, I would have had the stress of worrying about myself and someone else. So I think I think that was sort of lucky for on my part where I didn't have to deal with that. I could just focus on my own health. Um, but it is hard for me to think about dating and having to expose myself. You know, I'm, I remember a couple of years ago, I decided I was going to start dating again. <laughs> and I was going out on dates and it was always like, well, at what point do I tell someone that I'm a breast cancer survivor? Do I tell them mm. right away? Do they really need to know that part of me? I don't know this person that well. But then if I don't tell them right away and it goes somewhere that I deceit them and mm. by not telling them. But at the same time, it's something, you know, it's not, I, I don't mind talking about it, but when it's like on the, the dating side of things, it is something private. Absolutely. absolutely. And, then, and then of course there's also like, you know, getting to the point where you're intimate with someone it's not something i'm i'm comfortable with and it's not something i'm looking forward to <laughs> to be quite honest mm. i don't think i don't think it's something i'll ever feel comfortable with and so i think i'd rather just be single so i don't have to deal with it <laughs> mm. <laughs> well hopefully you do find someone because the thing is the world has got some amazing people out there yeah. um and you'd be really surprised because i spoke i remember speaking to one lady who had one breast uh, and she had the other one, she had an implant in it. And she reckons for guys, it was like, oh, this is different. You know, and, he, and she was just laughing. He's like, this is like trying something new, you know. Um, so she was worried about that too. How are they going to react if things get a little bit more intimate and yeah. things like that. But she, she's got to the point where she was saying that they would just be like, oh, this is this is something different. The thing is, with breast cancer, it's, it's unfortunately so common now that men could be with someone and five minutes later they got breast cancer or five years later they got breast cancer or 50 years later they got breast cancer, right, so to yeah. speak. So the thing is uh, I think that it's not something that a guy, and if it is, the guy's shallow, sorry, I have to say it, or the girl, whichever, you know, if someone is dating same sex, they're shallow people because it's it just means that you don't understand. This is, mm -hmm. like you said, it wasn't a choice. As yeah. in you didn't go, oh, I don't like my A-size breast. I'm, I want a double D size. That's different again. But um, but this is something that you had to do for, uh, yeah. for health reasons. So, yeah. you know, again, I commend you on it because you are young. Um, I, I also... Uh, work with a lot of women or I, you know, I sort of interact with a lot of women who have flat, flat chested now. And that's yeah. another thing that people are opting for as well. So, but it all, like you said, it's a personal choice at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, I think, I think going flat for some women, um, it's also the, the reconstruction process. I don't feel like we, I was, I talked to a lot of women, a, mo, a lot of women say that they were not given all the information that they should have had 
to know what that process was going to be like. You know, I'm four surgeries in. I know women that have are eight surgeries in and they're still going mm. through that process. And it's not just having your implants put in, it's the scars as well. I had tissue removed from my back. I have a massive scar there. I've had four surgeries. I have like, I think six, seven scars and they're not small, right? So um, there's that whole process. I just don't think that the reconstruction, I mean, thank God we have surgeries uh, to get cancer out of your body, but the reconstruction process, it's still a little, it still feels a little bit like you're being butchered. I don't think it's quite there yet where it seems like, you know, you do, I think as a woman, you feel like you've been under a butcher for sure. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. what's on our mind. We feel like we've been under a butcher and so we think we look like we've been under one. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a there's another term which I'm trying I'm trying to wreck my brain, but I can't remember it. Um, it's a it's a method that's come out of Italy originally. A professor in Italy started doing it. And when I heard that, what they do is they they replace the breast with your own body fat from like they can take it out of your buttocks, back of your yeah. thighs, wherever you want to get a nice trimness done. Um, and they place it in the breast. I thought, oh, well, that means you leave the tissue. And then I got told, no, 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 we still cut it out. But yeah. instead of putting implants, they put the fatty tissues in and things like that. So, of course, it's a big, it's a big thing. Um, you know, like you said, it, you, you now have scarrings done. I know myself because my sister opted to have a double mastectomy. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't diagnosed with cancer. But once I got diagnosed, she was a little bit worried, so she had a double mastectomy. And I do remember seeing her scarring, and you know, for for someone seeing it, I just think, well, they're just they're just war wounds. It's okay, but yeah. for someone personally, it's it's on a different level. And I would never say, oh, I understand, because then I'd be lying. Um, but um, I, I I I'm glad you touched on that, because like you said, not many people know the process the physical and the emotional side of having a double mastectomy. Yeah. But I wanted to go back onto the psychological side now because you said you were married and divorced, things like that. Um, why do you think you got breast cancer? <laughs> Honestly, so my breast cancer was hormone positive. And I'm going to completely make an assumption this is not fact. This is just my brain. There's no research behind this. Um, hormone positive, the reason why I'm on tamoxifen is to keep the estrogen levels in my body under control. And I think for in my early 20s, late 30s, early 30s, sorry, uh, or, or, or late 20s, I can't remember exactly the date, I was on birth control for a couple of years. And birth control is pumping estrogen into your body. So if you have any type of cancer in your body and you have too much estrogen, estrogen feeds cancer. So even if I had one tiny little cell and I had all this estrogen pumping into my body, it would have fed it and it would have grown. That's my own personal belief. I don't know if that's a fact. It's just, you know, as I try to make sense of all this, I think that might have have. I think that that could have been a contributing fact to to me getting breast cancer. Is it a reality? I don't know. What else could it have been? I'm not sure. I lived a pretty healthy lifestyle. The other thing also I have to say is that 
I never had children. And I do think that could have been a factor in it as well. I did not know that women in their late 30s who have not had kids are at higher risk of getting breast cancer. My doctor never told me. I never heard this anywhere. You know, when you see all of these websites and these charities telling you to check yourself, no one ever mentions or I've never heard anybody ever say, hey, if you're in your late 30s, early 40s, and you haven't had children, you're at higher risk. So check yourself more often. I've never heard that. So that could have been a factor as well. I never had children. Um, so yeah, those are my two sort of my conspiracy theories on that. <laughs> well, I was going to throw some more out there for you. But um, <laughs> before I do so, I was just going to ask about that, because that's a great point. You said uh, that you didn't have children. Were you also asked to do a hysterectomy or you that's something that you weren't asked to do? You didn't need to do? No, I don't. I haven't. I haven't had to. Um, my doctor didn't hasn't mentioned it to me. I mean, I go and see my doctor every six every six months still, and my doctor always says it's because I'm I'm young and she wants to keep an eye out. I think in, I think my general health, aside from getting cancer, is pretty good, and I do take fairly good care of myself. The rest of my reproductive system seems seems to be pretty good, although the tamoxifen is causing me to go into early menopause and. Oh, yeah, you, I saw your face when I said the word tamoxifen. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, but overall, like, I think I'm pretty good aside, aside from the side effects of tamoxifen. So, no, I have not had a hysterectomy. can't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, hysterectomy, yeah, yeah. But that's why, um, that's why I asked because generally what they do is um, I've known of, of women who have had to have double mastectomies that have been asked to do the hysterectomy. So when they're young and they haven't had children, they actually freeze their eggs mm -hmm. and if they have that possibility. And it's really important that the doctor actually mentions that. But like you said, it's because once you start getting into the tamoxifen and things like that, there's, and, I, and, I, and it's not everyone, I'm just going to, you know, it doesn't happen to everyone, but it can cause other issues yeah. in the reproductive area. So that's why they try and take, both of them away so then that eliminates it but like mm -hmm. you said you're, you're keeping an eye on it and that's the best thing to do um and every yeah. six months is i know it's uh it's anxious you know related when you have to go every six months but it's better than nothing at all but yeah, i wanted to throw it now yeah yeah that's why well, you do you do yeah. like when my doctor I, gives me one year yeah you know i i get super excited because she's <laughs> like yeah she's given me a year uh, but normally I'm six months as well. <laughs> yeah. I just want to mention they did, my doctor did ask me if I wanted to freeze eggs and yeah. I chose not to because okay. at that point I was like, cause they told me if I chose to have children, uh, I would have to get off tamoxifen for a year first and then clean my body out of the tamoxifen and then go into, uh, the eggs and all that. And so I thought, you know, if I need to be on tamoxifen for five years in order to feel safe, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get pregnant during that time. And by the time I'm done, I'm gonna be in my forties. So I didn't I just didn't feel there was a point. Mm, mm. Yeah. That's fair enough. Because I was gonna ask how long you had to take the tamoxifen for. So it's five years. So you did five, and now you're gonna do another five. So really, ten years is generally yeah. what they ask for the tamoxifen. I have heard that. But I was going to throw another shift in the spanner when you said like your conspiracy theory and um, 
So a lot of, you know, the one of the things that I read about you that um, it was, you know, saying that you're in a very high dominated, male dominating field. Mm -hmm. Now, this is just my hallucination um, because I, I worked in a very dominating male field when I got diagnosed. I, we were running a construction company and I was looking after 22 staff, which were all men. Um, so, and my husband was on his spiritual journey when all of this sort of started to boil up. So I always say, was I surprised? Yeah, of course I was surprised. But was I surprised? No, I wasn't. Because I feel like I was holding, I was suppressing a lot of stress. I wasn't being myself. Do you feel that way about you? Like where there was traumas or something that was sort of contributing at the time? You know, it could have been a year before, could have been two years before, but something was happening, could have even been longer. I mean, yeah, you make a really good point. I hadn't even quite really thought about it. But yeah, I mean, I had been in a really crappy marriage, divorced, on my own, trying to, you know, make it by myself without any outside help, uh, you know, paying the bills. So I'm always stressed out. And stress is something that before breast cancer, I really struggled with. I luckily, breast cancer taught me some really valuable lessons in life, like getting really good sleep, like eating really well and resting and meditating to deal with stress and things like that. But I think prior, I was fairly healthy, but anxiety and stress was something that I did not deal with well. And I had a lot of it going on. And it wasn't just, you know, divorce and and then worrying about being on my my own and failing and falling on my face, but also work. I had like, all of these responsibilities. I'm I'm running a company. I have two startups that I'm in in charge of, and I'm running them and taking them off the ground. And I lost most of my team during that time, who basically abandoned me. And I was running this all by myself. So there was a lot of stress. And you're right. I mean, that could have been something that contributed to it as well. Because yeah. I sometimes think that it's my hallucination. That sometimes what happens is when we're diagnosed with something, it's because what it's doing is it's trying to slow us down. It's a, it's like a hey there, wake up. I'm trying to tell you to slow yeah. down, um, and then the body brings out a disease of some sort. And I always say that. I always think you know, and it, it's quite interesting because. I'm yet to find anyone, and I'm not trying to, it's because it's part of life that doesn't have some sort of stress or anxiety or some trauma happening before they get diagnosed because I think it's the unbalance. When we're not being our authentic self, it's that unbalancing sort of thing. So that's why I sort of wanted to bring that up, yeah. I I, I think it's funny that you're saying that because I have thought about that a million times. I'm like, my body was giving me the signs I ignored it and it was like you're gonna listen now I'm gonna give you something that's gonna cause you to really slow down so I totally agree with what you said <laughs> it's horrible it's horrible way it's like really, really? yeah but <laughs> life doesn't give you something you can't handle this is true yep. so as as tough of it as it was it's not easy yeah. But life's like, you can handle this, Sonia. I know you've got this. I'm going to get you to strip back what your belief was before. I'm yeah. going to get you to that level, but I'm going to rebuild you. 
and I'm going to rebuild you into this amazing, thriving person that you are today. And like you said, you know that. So going forward now, we're six years later, we're thriving, we're doing amazing. So what in your life has come about? Like what has happened in your life that it, it causes you to look at life now in a different way and say, you know what, I am in a better place than I was. Yeah. You know, I really am in a better place. And I think a lot of it was due to, because of breast cancer, I started doing therapy. And I initially started doing therapy because of breast cancer, but then I continued it even after I no longer had breast cancer. And it just taught me so much in about myself, about who I am, where I am, my childhood, how to deal and cope with things that I never never really knew how to in the past, and build boundaries with people and things in my life that I never really did before. It it's had a interesting uh, a side effect to it not everyone accepts that I've changed in a certain way and that I am a certain way now and I'm more assert assertive and I stand up for myself which I didn't before but I am in the mindset now that you know my cancer could come back it is a constant thought on my head I had cancer in my body I'm lucky that I did the five-year remission but it could come back so I'm not going to waste it on stupid things and people. I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm going to do the things that I love, that I'm passionate about. And anyone who comes my way to add a drama to it or stress me out, I'm like, I'm not having it today. Not today, devil. Not today. <laughs> I'm getting so emotional. Just that part that you just said is what I talk about. And that's the part where you say, I've been given a second chance and I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to waste it on things, on people, on situations that no longer serves me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the rebuilding of the soul, I call it. You know, the outside is falling apart and has to heal, but it's the soul that gets stronger and stronger. So I love that. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter what your body's going through, just build that soul. Just mm -hmm. when I say, because I'm sure you heard, oh, have courage, Sonia, be strong, Sonia. Yeah. And that used to pee me off <laughs> until I realized, no, 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 I know where I had to have courage. My soul had to have courage. Yeah. My soul had to have faith and my soul had to be strong. And then whatever came, comes. Because like you said, you don't know what happens tomorrow. None of us do. Yeah. You're not going to waste it. Yeah. So thank you for that. I commend you on that because, yeah. Whew. So what are you doing now, Sonia? What are, what's Sonia doing these days? That's making you know, just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I like to think that I'm living my best life. I'm doing the things that I'm passionate about. I'm living slow. Uh, before I used to be a go, 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 go. Now I'm still sort of go, 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 but it's very slow paced. I'm uh, working on things that I'm passionate about. My career is it's not a job. It's something that I love. And I get up in the morning. I'm so happy to go do uh, the things that I, I, I love to do. Breast cancer is something I, I'm passionate about. I, I'm involved in, with uh, charities that are uh, helping women after the breast cancer journey because 
um, for a lot of uh, women, you know, going through chemo and radiation and losing your hair and surgery, everyone sort of focuses on that journey, but no one really focuses on the after journey, which is mental health, physical, um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, the the just the stress alone of thinking about the fact that cancer could come back is something that mm. people don't talk about. And women are constantly. I have friends that some of my best friends are breast cancer survivors now because I did, you know, join charities and I built relationships with other survivors. I've watched a lot of them die. Right. That's the only downside to being involved in, you know, people who have had uh, cancer is you you get to watch a lot of people die years after they've been, you know, cancer free. Uh, so I'm just, I'm not wasting time. I'm not doing foolish things. I don't really care what people think or don't think about me. I'm, I'm living my life. I'm, I'm very involved in tech. And I recently actually started a podcast that's called Tenacity with Tanya. And it's all about just living, you know, building businesses and wanting to go into leadership and how tenacious you have to be to get there, but also tenacious in life and, um, you know, just doing what you love and, and not being apologetic about it. Wow. And I, I was just with my cat. <laughs> oh, I love cats. I've got two of my own. So I don't have children, but I got two fur babies, <laughs> I call them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's, that's, that's the thing that, you know, uh, it's just, like you said too, I, I wanted to point that out where you said also where you change and there's people that all of a sudden they get a bit funky around us and I think oh, she's not who they used to be. Sonia's not that person that she used to be. Sonia is that person who would allow me to do this and this and this around her and they sort of get a little bit funky around that. But did you find that when you went through this, the people who you least expected stepped up and the people that you were expecting just ran away. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you said it because every time I talk about that, people are like, no, 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 my, my people were there. And I'm like, Oh, lucky you, <laughs> but you're right. And I did, yeah, I did right. have, I did have people that I didn't even know that long who really stepped up for me. And I'm like, wow, you're, you're here. You're in the hospital visiting me. Like it was unexpected, but Everything happens for a reason, right? Absolutely. And that's what we talk about when we say like detox, detox. I always say detox your community, detox the people around you. It doesn't mean you've got to send them off with a PO, you yeah. know, in a nasty way. You just send them love and you go, you know, get down that way and I'm going to go this way and that's okay. Yeah. So, and that's, that's what makes you thrive within. That's what makes you realise. Do you think, let me ask you this question. Because I think you do, but let me ask you this question. Do you think you're living your authentic self now? Yes. I mean, definitely like 85%. I think sometimes it's you fall back into some of, you know, your old habits, but I'm very conscious and I'm very aware of myself. And I know I'm a pushover and I find sometimes myself going back and in, 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 in being in push pushover mode. But then when I realize that I'm there... I get right out of it and I go into it like a thousand percent. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's really important that, like you said, we're human, so we can always fall back into our old habits and things like that. But if we're genuinely, genuinely say that again, uh, living our authentic self, it's the body goes, Oh, there you are. 
the soul goes, oh, finally, finally, you're where you're supposed to be. Um, and you're not sugarcoating, you're not people pleasing, you're not whatever we did to get, you know, that connection. We all, we're human beings wanting human connection. And yeah. we'll get it any way we think we have to. And, and one of them is people pleasing or one of them is, oh, I can't say that, I can't be this because what's that person going to think? So it's beautiful to hear. And I, and I, I sort of, I don't have a sixth sense where I see dead people, so don't get me wrong, but I, um, God, that'll be scary, but I actually have a sense of people and I, that's why for me you're generally coming across living your authentic self and that's, that's really important because, like you said, this journey, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, none of us do, but at least you're living the life you want to live and you're working well, you're not working, you're doing something that you love doing, which is great. Yeah. Again, it's going, you're not going against the grain. Yeah. Um, so about that, about your work, do you want to mention your podcast? I'd love to hear more about your podcast as well. I'll, I'll make sure I put the links below. Yeah. So I just launched it this January. So I started recording last year. Uh, it's called Tenacity with Sonia C. And it's um, conversations with leaders who have built companies and mm -hmm. um, are teaching now the, the next generation of entrepreneurs and founders who want to build, whether it's a tech company or whether they want to be a coaching, uh, a, a coach, um, you know, just learning from the people who have failed, learned from those failures and became successful so that they can, they have a go-to, hey, I'm struggling with this. Oh, this person went through that. What did they do? And, and how did they solve those problems? And and just teaching, like like I said, that's why it's called tenacity, just teaching people to be tenacious. I find that, you know, we live in a generation where things, everyone sort of has this mentality where things are going to come easy because there's internet and you can make money with e-commerce and social media and become an influencer and all that stuff. But I think that, you know, hard work and learning every day uh, and failing. I, I love failures because that's when you learn the most is when you fail. So I love that concept. And I failed a couple of times in personal a life and a business. So I just wanted to do something with other professionals that felt the same way I did and, and just build a platform for people to learn. And uh, whether it's starting a company whether it's you know wanting to just be a better person whether it's like learning how to handle you know pressure or stress or how to get out of bed every day there's something there for people to learn from wow that's really amazing and like you said we really need that um, because if i don't know anyone who hasn't failed no one i know no one who hasn't failed even yeah. the best of the best have failed um, you know, if you hear of Michael Jordan, they say that out of all his shots, you know, he had over 200 shots, he only would get 20 or whatever it was. I'm probably misquoting it, but in the sense that he would lose more of his three pointers than get his three pointers. But everyone knew as Michael Jordan as this amazing person. But look at his life, he worked hard and yeah. he failed just as hard. Um, so that's really, really important. And like you said, learning from your failures and, 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 and growing from that, not learning and, you know, poor me, pity party, but growing. So that's really, really important. So, yes, yeah, so definitely I'll, I'll put the link as well so people can start following because it is important because 
here you are now um, who's gone through some failures in life like we all have and you're saying you know what don't 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 do what I did or if you have to these are the these are some some things that you can try out mm -hmm. for yourself uh, like you said whether it's in business whether it's in personal whether it's in relationship whatever it may be people can learn from others um, you know you stand on the shoulder of giants they say so why not why not so that's really important was there anything else you wanted to mention to our our viewers and our listeners no i mean i just anybody who um is might be struggling or going through a uh, breast cancer or any type of disease i think you know i've gotten to a place in my life where I, i've told this to a couple of people and they're like that's why would you say something like that like if i die tomorrow I would die a very happy person. I've just reached such a good place where I'm like, I'm, you know, was it weird for me to say that I'm not afraid to die? Like if I'm gone tomorrow, I'm gone. Like I'm okay with that. And so all I want to say is if you're going through something, um, use it for good for yourself, use it to learn, um, internally. And, and, and there is, there are steps to, to do that. Once you sort of get over the surgeries and, and treatments, you, you fall into this place where it's like, okay, now what? Now I'm not doing surgery. Now I'm not doing chemo. Now what do I do? And, that, and take advantage of that place because I think that's exactly where it is, that spot, to really focus on you and find that peace because I think that's where that peace really lies and just make the best of it. You're going to find yourself when you come out of it you're always going to think about breast cancer. I'm breast cancer free, but I'm still a breast cancer patient. That's, that's how I see it. But I've, yeah. you, you get to a place where you just find peace, where it's like, yeah, if I die tomorrow, I, I'm okay with that. And I'm not, I don't regret anything. I'm not sorry about anything that I leave behind or people that I leave behind, maybe my cat. But you know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm just in such a good place where I'm like, I've now lived a an amazing life i've done things i'm good see you later <laughs> wow that's uh, honestly it's like you've just picked my brain because that's exactly what i talk about all the time it's getting to that place because you don't know what's going to happen but when your soul is strong when your soul you know who you are if you have to check out tomorrow you know what i'm good yeah. i'm good it's that place of peace and that's where we want to get so many people, not the place, the place of fear, not the place of what's going to happen to me. When you get to the place where you go, you know what? Yeah, if I have to check out right now, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And that's what it means about living your authentic self. When you start living how you're truly put on this earth, um, it's really important. And I guess that little small window, like you mentioned, you know, after, because a lot of people say the same. Thank you, doctor says, thanks, you're cancer-free, see you later, go yeah. have a nice life. And then you're stuck with this baggage of emotions and go, oh, now what? How do yeah. I deal with this? And there's not a lot of support groups of no. the after. It's the now in between, but not the after. And yeah. it's the after that you need to nourish, you need to heal, find out who am I? Who am yeah. I? You know, I'm, I'm not the breast cancer survivor. I'm not the person who just went after, you know, had so many operations. I'm not the wife. I'm not the business owner. 
who am I? Who am I? When you close that light at night and you go to bed, who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can get to a, that place of peace, it's just an amazing place. So that's why I was like, yes, I'm not the only one who says that. I mean, I, I love so, how you put it. Like, I'm going to go away from this uh, episode. I'm going to be like, oh, like, I loved how you said about the soul. It's, you know, I, I knew in my brain, like, how I felt. But I just love you. You put it so nicely. And now I'm going to, like, really go and think about that. <laughs> I really am. Like a, yeah, well, that's because when people, that's what going back to it, that's when people were saying to me, be strong, be courageous, have faith, have hope. Yeah. To me, it was stop, stop. I, I can't hear this BS. To me, it was BS mm-hmm. because I didn't feel it. It was an external thing until one day I just went back home and I went, oh, this is where the courage is. Yeah. It's not here. It's the soul. So once my courage stepped up, my cancer was in the back seat. I'm driving. It's my life. You're taking the back seat. So that's where it is. I always say to people, when your soul is you have courage, faith, hope, trust in your soul, like we said before, if you check out tomorrow, I'm good because I know who I am. Yeah. So it's really, really important. And I think, uh, uh, you know, it, it's important to, to share the message that you have to others. It really is. And, you know, I mean, it, you might think that I'm just, you know, oh, my God, overreacting. But when I hear people speaking my language, it's <laughs> like. <laughs> I know, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not for anything. It's because you're on the other side. You're in Toronto, Canada. Yeah. Up until this moment, you and I have never met, yet we have that same thought pattern. Yeah, it does. Where does that come you. from? It's your, it's your, un, it's your conscious level, your unconscious yeah. level, the the back part of us that we're born knowing. Hang on, this is this is what we got to go through, and it's okay because once I heal this part, everything will be okay, even when it's. When I talk to, because I, I mentor women, I don't know where their journey is going to end. Mm-hmm. None of us do. But when I say to them, when you can say, I know where I am, I'm home, and you were to check out tomorrow, you'll be fine. Yeah. It's when you're not home, that's the scary part. You know, that's the fearful part. Of the, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. None of us do. No. But when you can be at peace with it, that's when you can live and and the thing is, is people don't have don't people don't fear dying. It's because they don't live. Yeah. That's what it is. They fear not living. Um, so yeah, is there anything else you wanted to to mention, Sonia? Oh, that's it. Yeah. Oh my God. You. It's this has been amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to share this. It really has been amazing because again, you know, cancer has touched so many women, so many ages, so many backgrounds nationalities whatever you say it has no what's the word that they say cancer has no whatever it is i'm trying to hear it it has has no boundaries but it also it doesn't discriminate yeah you know um it doesn't mean because i'm 53 i get i i get you know hey i'm out of here uh i don't get it and you're third doesn't mean anything it just does not discriminate and you know i um I think that's important where people hear the stories of, 
someone who's in their 30s, someone who's in their 40s, someone who's in their 50s, someone who's in their 60s. Um, it's really, really important to take that message because at the end of the day, we have all different types of cancer. It's like a, yeah. almost a, a fingerprint, but we're all on the same journey for our destiny, you know, um, and that's really important to share that. So thank you, Sonia. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Um, where can people reach you, Sonia, other than your yeah. podcast? So I, my social media is techie, uh, Sonia C, techie, T-E, C-H-I-E, Sonia, S-O-N-I-A-C. That's my social media. Uh, LinkedIn, it's Sonia Kuro. Um, and you, you can also find, I have a website that links to everything that I have. And it's soniakuro.com. So you can always go on there and then you'll find uh, the companies. You'll find my podcast, my, my social media handles, everything there. So that's probably the best place to go. Fantastic. So if... Sonia's story resonates with you please reach out I'm sure if you've got a question um, you know it's something that Sonia has said that sort of just put a seed in your mind and you want to sort of get some more information I'm, I'm sure Sonia could reach out to you on an email and just sort of you know answer any questions you might have but I thank you again Sonia really thank you so much for being on my podcast and thanks everyone and hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast and like always I wish you so much love and light Thank you so much for joining me. I know you could have chosen any other show to spend your time with today. And I'm really grateful and humble that you've chosen me instead. And I hope I've been able to serve you in any way. You know, I hope this will become your go-to place to help you heal, feel supported and discover yourself along your hero's journey. And if this episode helped you today, please subscribe and share it with someone you know that would benefit from this. As I've learned about my hero's journey through breast cancer, nothing we receive is for us to keep but to be shared. And I hope I can serve you further by sharing some of the tools I've learned along the way. And it's hard for me to share it all in one simple episode. So if you go to www.theangelsofgrace.me forward slash resources right now, you can find a collection of tools that might be exactly what you need to take you on your hero's journey. And given that I don't know if you're listening to this podcast at the start, the middle or the end of the day, I want to wish you an amazing morning, an amazing afternoon or an amazing evening. I am Grace DeAngeli and you listen to the Breast Cancer Hero's Journey podcast. Thanks again for being here. Much love and light.